Hello, and welcome to another edition of S'mores by Fireside. As always, you can learn more about our marketing services for small businesses at meetfireside.com. You can click on the S'mores tab and watch all of these episodes in video form, or you can download them as podcasts from wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Bonnie. Bonnie, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Hi, Dax. Happy to be here. So I am Bonnie Bowles. I live in Colorado. Also uh, travel frequently to Texas, where I'm from, and have a lot of family. Um, I'm a mom to four kids, so life is quite busy on the personal front. And also professionally, I am a licensed attorney, although I don't practice very much anymore. I built a successful law firm in Denver over a period of about five to seven years. While doing that, I figured out the whole tech stack that I needed to run my firm. And so I transitioned from being a lawyer full-time into helping lawyers full-time set up their tech stack for their firms. So I've helped at this point 80 plus attorneys across the United States set up their full tech stack to run their firm on automation. And then now I'm currently in development stages to build proprietary software that replaces that tech stack and makes it much easier for lawyers to do what they do. That's a much needed thing. Every time I talk to a lawyer, they're pulling their hair out over what on earth they should be doing with their technology. I'm curious, why a lawyer? Was there a family background there? Or is it just something you felt like doing? Kind of the latter. Kind of just felt like it was the right thing to do. I went to a college in upstate New York to a small liberal arts college, political science. My major, I just loved politics, also majored in economics, and it just seemed like the right next step for me to go into law school. I have cousins who all went to law school. Really, mostly I'm a family of engineers and accountants. So I have a little bit of kind of like the methodical mindset, but not so much the math piece. So I went to law school. After law school, I worked at a plaintiff's litigation firm for a short period but honestly didn't like that very much. I was in Houston, didn't enjoy Houston really. So I moved to a small ski town to teach ski school at the time and loved that very much. It was really the only opportunity in my adulthood to kind of go do something like that, that I wanted to do that had nothing to do with all my educational training. Yeah, so that was in a little ski town in New Mexico and then moved to Colorado in 2011 and started having four kids while I was building my law firm. So that was fun and crazy. That's great. And so when you move, for those of our listeners who are not attorneys, when you move state, you have to resit a local bar. Is that right? That's correct. So I started in Texas because I went to law school in Texas where I'm from. And so I took the bar in Texas in 2007. And then when I moved to New Mexico, decided to stay there for a few years after teaching ski school, thought, oh, well, I'll get licensed here just so I can also be an attorney while I'm here. So I took the bar exam in New Mexico in 2009 and then moved to Colorado in 2011 and took a third bar exam. So I'm licensed in three states and active in three states. You can try to avoid the bar exam if you have enough years of experience under your belt, but in in those cases, I didn't. We're talking five, seven years, and I took them back to back to back almost. So three bar exams, but I'm good now. No more bar exams in my future. Is it when you move a state and you're going to take the bar exam, is that months and months and months of work? Or if you're practicing, is it, you know, spend a few hours brushing up on local state law and then you sit it? That's a good question. I think it really depends on the state that you've taken before. So Texas and New York and Florida and maybe a couple of other states are notorious for the most difficult bar exams. And that was my first. So I felt really prepared for New Mexico and Colorado. I did have to brush up some, but I felt like my training for the Texas bar really prepared me for those. Whereas if you're moving from a state that has maybe a shorter exam period, like one and a half or two days versus the three days in Texas, you'll probably have to spend a bit of time preparing. So a big undertaking, and you can only do it twice a year, February and July. So your schedule kind of has to work around that when you think about, am I going to hang my shingle? Am I going to bring in revenue? You have to work around the bar schedule. 
So I wondered that because we were sitting around with some friends over dinner a few months ago, and we were talking about that kind of question of what's your number, right? When you think about, they were asking me, when you think about retirement and things, you know, what do you want to have, you know, before you're comfortable to say, okay, I'm done or I could be done if I wanted to. And I actually look at it quite differently. My wife and I don't necessarily think about it being a number, but instead the goal of being geographically independent. Mm. And in today's day and age, of course, we can do most of our work that way. And certainly the corona pandemic, I think, proved to a lot of people that they can work from home far more than they ever thought they could. So it's interesting to me that you're in a profession where you are kind of tied a little bit, at least the way you practice. Yeah. So geographically, as an attorney, yes, you are tied down. But what was nice, and I've been virtual actually in my law firm when I was practicing full time long before this current pandemic, because since I was licensed in three states, I was still getting inquiries from three states without almost without even trying just because of personal Mm -hmm. relationships in each place. And I had to figure out a way to serve clients in rural Colorado and New Mexico and Texas. So I've been serving my clients virtually for a number of years now. And actually that plays exactly into what's going on in my current business, which is setting up and managing the technology for my lawyers. There were a couple who had kind of harnessed what they could learn from me to go virtual, but most people didn't really see a need. And then overnight, about three weeks ago, overnight, there's a 100% need across the board for my clients to learn how to go virtual from me. And so while this pandemic has been so difficult and so hard for so many, including myself in other ways with my kids at home and online learning and all that, on the business side, it has just totally bloomed because everyone needs what I've been offering. And so not only do I have current clients really harnessing more of what I provide to them and utilizing more of what was there anyway that they just didn't see the urgent need to use yet, but I almost doubled my client base overnight in the last two weeks. So life has been a total whirlwind. I don't even know what day it is at this point, which I think is most people's situation. So I've been very blessed in that way because the environment really forced everyone to recognize you know, how much technology plays into your success at this point. Yeah, I I don't think the world's going to be the same in terms of the workplace environment anymore after this, particularly if we're really seeing this going on with significant lockdowns for another another few months. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So before we talk about your new life and business, you and I first came across each other because of your business in estate planning law. And what I was always very intrigued about what you were doing with that business was it was one of the best positioned marketed estate planning businesses I'd, I'd ever come across. The world of trust and wills is something I'd spent some time investigating for a, for a VC-backed business several years ago. It seems hard. It seems like one of those things that most people know they need to think about, but it seems very difficult to get them to do it. Tell us a little bit about that. I think it's a very interesting industry. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So a couple of things in terms of trying to help people move forward with the difficult decision to do an estate plan, just simply in terms of marketing from the perspective of even something as simple as my firm name. It is so common for law firms to be named after your last name, but that conveys nothing about who you are or what you believe in. And so my first step, literally when I was, I was three days away from my first child's due date when I decided to move from litigation to estate planning. I'm sitting there in my living room, I'm ready to have a baby and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start a new business, you know, cause I don't like litigation. And my first thing I did was what's gonna be my firm name. So I came up with a trade name, Wills and Wellness, that really conveyed, you know, Wills is the legal piece, the wellness piece is kind of the holistic approach that it's about more than documents, it's about your legacy, it's about your family relationships and capturing those and passing those down 
down and that kind of thing. So just from that moment, you know, I wanted to position myself as different. The other thing that I really, and this was almost accidental that I came across this, but as I was building out my processes in my firm and getting those prospects prepared to come in and talk about estate planning, I had held enough of those appointments where they were wholly unprepared for what we were going to talk about. Understandably so. These are difficult topics. And so what I found myself doing in these free consultations was so many of them were ending with the the people overwhelmed saying, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. You never hear from them again. And in the meantime, I've got to pay my rent and payroll and put food on my table and support my family. And so I thought, how can I help people come in more prepared? And so marketing really, you know, it for me is about getting your name out there, attracting people. And then there's the sales or engagement piece, which is the moment you get their name and email Once they say like, hey, you have permission to be in touch with me personally, what does that look like? I took that piece very, very seriously. And so in that part of the uh, process, what I did and what I teach my lawyers to do now is kind of the main component other than setting up technology where I really add a lot of strategy to their practice is the moment you have permission to communicate one-on-one, how can you communicate with them in a very methodical, thoughtful way so that when they show up, they're really ready to hire you. They know everything about you, your fee schedule, the planning options, what it's like to work with you, the three meeting process or whatever your meeting process looks like. They know everything and their questions when they show up aren't like things along the lines that suggest I'm shopping around, but questions more about like, well, how do I work with you? If I choose this plan, what does that look like versus that one? Those are the right questions, you know, cause then you know, you've got a client that you're going to be helping. So that, let me just ask you though, that, that's very clever. So you talk about getting the email address. Are you talking about somebody who has just come to the site when they were kind of browsing or being passive, or at this point when you send them all that information, are you talking about somebody who has reached out and said they're interested in an an appointment and this is pre-appointment prep? This is pre-appointment prep. So in my firm, it, it became essentially required that if you're going to sit down with me as an attorney, uh, two hours on my calendar, you're going to be committing probably two to three hours of your own prep that I've designed including a webinar, an educational webinar, plus compiling together important information that I need to see in advance. You're going to be committing that two to three hours in order for me to commit to sit down with you for two hours and let's get started on your plan. Okay. That's very interesting. Did you do things before that? So did you do other kind of funnel building marketing as it would often be referred to where you were putting out general either content or hosting webinars and you were trying to capture emails to move people from having passive interest into reaching out to book an appointment? Yes. So what I would do is I would offer free content through a free report, a free kind of downloadable wallet card template that you could put in your wallet for emergency, something that was immediately useful. So I would run ads that would offer that free content or free value. The website would offer that. And then, so however it was, they came in based on something I was sharing at any given time. Once I got their name and email from there, the message started to be, all right, now that you've done this, that's awesome. Take the next step, attend our webinar. And then, you know, from there you can learn more about how to get started. So the message from the beginning, like it is for so many lawyers right now, honestly, the message from the beginning was not schedule a consult. That's kind of the big thing that lawyers get caught up in, schedule a consult. But that's where I was in the beginning where these consults were going nowhere and I couldn't Mm. financially support myself. So as soon as they do get into my system through some sort of free content, 
then the message becomes get educated, learn more. There's questions you don't even know to ask. You know, Bonnie goes over all this. And, and I would talk about also in my marketing emails about this webinar, because it is a webinar, the same one every time. I used to do it live and now I've got it on demand. It's entertaining. It's, it's honestly entertaining. There's a fictional family. I have cartoon drawings of them. I mean, it, it really engages you. It's not your typical lawyer's webinar. And I tell people that it's not. And if you find that it is, you can just stop the webinar and go about doing your stuff. But I promise you it's not. And so that, that's a way to really help people kind of try to tackle these hard, hard questions. I try not to take it too seriously or too corporate or cold feeling because that makes it that much more difficult for them to move forward. Because for me, estate planning is very important, but it is never urgent. It is never urgent. And that's actually on the, as on the attorney side, that's kind of nice because you never have to deal with after hours issues, which is nice from a family perspective. Right. But it's not like a DUI. It's not like a criminal suit. It's not like you've been served a lawsuit and you have a response that you have to file by a deadline. It's simply not urgent. So you have to build in as an estate planning attorney, a sense of urgency to help them move forward, you know, out of just respect for them. If they've even given you an, a moment of attention, that moment of attention took a lot because these are hard questions. So you want to help them continue to take the steps. And so you have to build in some sense of urgency. And then at the same time, for me, a sense of like, let's keep this light. It's important, but let's also like, we're human. Let's laugh while we're doing this. Yeah. Okay. That's important. So in a previous episode, we were talking to a lady called Stephanie Jones, who has a business called Feed Media. And we were chatting about I was saying sometimes within marketing, I will borrow ideas from TV ads in other countries, for instance, right? Because of course, you've got to find a way to stand out with your marketing. And generally as marketers, we can all fall into the trap of things being quite similar within an industry. Whereas if you go look in an entirely different culture or country, you can find ideas that feel fresher because they're not the norm where you are. And one of the things I was saying is, I think there's a way to stand out in the States for any business more by being less corporate and by being less serious about themselves and their brand and recognizing ultimately this could just be them on the other side of the screen. And what would they want to watch, right? Would they want to watch something dry and corporate or would they want to watch something a little bit of fun? So I think you've definitely nailed that approach of give them something that they're not going to feel like they just wasted 20 minutes of their time with and and now need a drink. Right. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. Because when I was at the plaintiff's litigation firm in Houston, that was one reason I didn't last there and had to retreat to the mountains, you know, because I was like, this is too corporate and cold. Like this is not what I'm about. I could just feel it. It wasn't the right fit. You know, it did take a while to kind of solidify my process. I went through a series of versions of my script over time. That's my webinar script. I would also present in person, but I really prefer doing webinars. I've preferred that for five or six years now versus in person, but it's still the same script and education, but it took me a while. And I invested in a course to help me write a script after I had done it for about three years and kind of just put it together on the fly. I actually invested in money to write it, you know, how it should be written to to convey value and to encourage the next steps and that kind of thing. And that's the one that works so well for me today. And as I mentioned, for my current clients who are estate planning attorneys, not only do I help them set up the tech stack, because that is a challenge in and of itself, the automation, integrating everything, making sure everything is in sync. But I also add the strategy piece of running webinars as the pre-education before the free consult. And in fact, one of kind of the shifts I just made that happened, it it was total happenstance that it aligned with, with us having to work from home and the pandemic. I was already designing a new way of delivering the same services to my clients, estate planning attorneys, 
where it wasn't just, hey, here's your whole tech stack and go watch all the videos I've created in this huge members area, but you're the one that has to make it happen and I'm here to support you as you have questions. Some people were able to tackle that. Others felt it was like drinking from a fire hose. So mm -hmm. I was redesigning how I was going to deliver the same content anyway, which was to help people set up specifically their webinar and engagement or pre-consult funnel, which is everything I do now, but it's just a very, very focused way of truly understanding a key piece of your system. And then we can add on other stuff later. And that was probably a week before we were all ordered to stay at home that I was, had just started doing about a one week marketing push for that. And then this happened. And before you know it, I, I'm doubling my client base because everyone realizes I need webinars and the automated engagement. That's interesting. I think as a lot of business owners can be too focused on making something perfect rather than making progress in something. So to give them something important to do that makes an incremental difference, I think is a, is a good foothold for them. Mm -hmm. I am curious, just on the estate planning thing for a moment, it's a marketing challenge because you have these people as we talked about that know they need to do something but then they often don't take that impetus sometimes it's because they don't feel that sense of urgency sometimes because it's just too sad for them to think about because there are some sad things to think about with it sometimes it just feels like a, a lot of heavy lifting in terms of pulling together information and paperwork did you have particular ways maybe in the messaging in the webinar that you created that sense of urgency when that sense of urgency didn't organically exist? So I tried kind of different ways of framing how to move forward. I did just out of curiosity, I did try kind of more of the, your family is at risk type messaging, kind of that. I couldn't personally buy into that. I don't think, you know, the fear-based. I tried yeah. it because I wanted to see, I'm very much into measuring and testing but moved away from that quickly. And really what I landed on as kind of the primary messaging around it was focused on peace of mind. So peace of mind for yourself. So a sense of, you know, calm, I've got this under control. I know my family is protected. So peace of mind and protection as the, the primary like core human drives I was trying to get at. If everyone wants to protect their family, no one wants to feel like panicked or in chaos mm -hmm. or scared about what their family is going to have to deal with later. So the peace of mind phrasing and protecting your family is what I landed on and have used for many years. And it really seems to help. Mm, okay. The, I mean, it is a basic human need, right? Mm -hmm. That feeling of, um, of, of calm and that things are in place and it's, it triggers that protectionist mm -hmm. basic need as well of, of, of our families. When we talk to, as Fireside, when we talk to a lot of new potential customers for the marketing services, we often talk to professionals, whether they be in law or something else. And very few of them get any sort of business training, financial business training or marketing training. Where did yours come from? Because clearly you're very on top of this. You understand this marketing world very well and you built a very successful business off, off the back of that knowledge. So where did it all come from? To be honest, no formal training. Where it really came from, I think, is my parents are entrepreneurs. And so I have that entrepreneurial spirit. I will get out there and try something, anything, test it and, and scrap it if it's not working and try something else that's just in me. So when I founded my own law firm, and the reason I did that is because I didn't like litigation, for some reason, it just made sense immediately of like, I've got to find people. How do I mm -hmm. find people? So then I started looking into how to do that, which because estate planning is what it is, it, it just seemed obvious to me that you've got to help people understand what, it, what this even is before you can possibly ask them to hire you and pay you. Um, I, so I've been educating my prospects from the very beginning. In fact, my daughter was six weeks old when I did my first educational talk 
in a yoga studio as she was sitting in my lap, six weeks old for me to do this as my very first one. I, I'm willing to, to do a lot of trial and error. So, so you learn a lot through the experience of doing that. So that's where I learned a lot was trial and error. I joined a coaching program who I'm now working closely with. They're one of my strategic partners, New Law Business Model who helps estate planning attorneys, um, not just with marketing, but kind of overall process, mindset, resources, ready to go for you and that kind of stuff. So I learned from some from them. I'm a big learner. I'm a lifelong learner. So I'm constantly seeing what I can learn from others. So I learned through that program. And then as part of that program, I invested in a technology solution that they were offering at the time with some automation software. And I'm just, I'm a tinkerer and a very detail-oriented person. And so when the automation I had invested in was kind of delivered to me. I started looking around and I don't know, I just felt like I could immediately see like, wow, I see the power of this. And I, mm. I feel like what I have so far is only 5% of what's possible in this system. So I became a full-time attorney. Essentially, I was full-time in my practice, uh, having babies in the meantime, because I had my daughter, I had twins two and a half years later, and then I had another little girl two and a half years later, and she's now three. And so I'm doing all that. So I'm full-time having baby you mom thing, full-time attorney, full-time figuring out all the software for my firm. And so my life was, was crazy. And there was very little sleep for a number of years, but in, in building out the software, you kind of have to figure out what works. And again, you, you're measuring and testing all the time, ideally. So a lot of it was just simply on the job and willingness to learn and willingness mm -hmm. to look at any particular thing that didn't work as like not a failure, you know, that doesn't work. So what is the, the right answer? I'm going to go find that one. It was like, okay, that one's not it. I'm going to go find it instead of just viewing it as, well, that didn't work. There has to be a level of, uh, I think, risk-taking to learn on the job like that, that I was willing to do. And then here we are. I just, I, I'll dig into anything to learn anything. I've done a lot of training programs online, books, paying for in-person conferences and that kind of thing as well. You touched on two things there that I think are interesting. My parents also were entrepreneurs and I've always thought, being exposed to that is such a an incredible skill because I think there's there's a there's a mindset and a feeling. To me, I've always thought about it. It's almost a sense of approval that's pre-built into you that it's okay and normal to go do this stuff. I remember a couple of years ago there was a campaign about women in in the movie industry and women in title roles in movies. And there was a great line to that, which was, "If she can see it, she can be it." right? The idea of if children become exposed to something, it is that sense of, of approval. Do you feel that? Do you feel like your parents coming from that background kind of gave you that, that path that you ended up going down? Yes, absolutely. I do. I think that was a big, big piece of my willingness to even, you know, put anything on the line in order to, to build a law firm and make it work. Because for me, making it work means all the systems need to be running very, very well, including marketing and sales in particular, plus the other stuff, you know, that service and retention and, oh. and recurring revenue and that kind of thing. Um, yes, absolutely. Because I saw my parents go through very difficult times growing up. They're in the oil and gas industry, you know, and I grew up in the 80s and there was a huge bust. And so for five or six years, they had almost no money. So mm. very up and down, but they survived. And my dad, in, in particular, him is the the least stressed out person I've ever met. And he's been through crazy, you know, financial ups and downs, you know? So it, it was like a sense of approval, like this is okay. It's normal um, that things might go up and down. In fact, there's probably, you know, a really big upside at the end of the day mm -hmm. um, and, and you can weather through it. I mean, that's always been the message from my parents. You're going to make it through this. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was built in as approval. Yeah. With the example you just gave of your dad, uh, that was the second point you mentioned that I wanted to touch on. 
So you had this period of years where having four children is no small feat. I also have twins, and so I certainly know what that bit's mm-hmm. like in those early days in building the business. How do you balance that work and life? You look remarkably sane throughout this entire <laughs> process. It may be a completely well-oiled charade. <laughs> do you have specific strategies that help you maintain your own wellness or does that just kind of come naturally to you? You know, for me, I, I do have to really strive at the work-life balance. I will definitely tip more towards work if I'm not self-disciplined to say I need to step away from work for a minute because I've got, you know, home life and family um, to tend to. That's a struggle of mine, to be honest. So I have to be really careful that I am balancing that as well as I can. In terms of strategies with my children, especially now because they're home, they're actually in the other room right now and they're being very quiet. They're being exceptionally good. They really are. We haven't heard a peep out of them. Right. And it's just me. I'm the the only adult here and they're, they're, you know, between just eight and three, four kids. So a big, big piece for me that has been helpful over the years is I narrate for them in advance what I want the next hour to two to look Mm -hmm. like. If I've got something like this, an important call, you know, something like this where I definitely don't need them, you know, peeking through the door right here, that kind of thing. I narrate for them what I want it to look like. And so that way they can start seeing it. And, and so I spend, you know, five to 10 minutes doing that to make sure that they understand the expectations. I had, for example, this happened to me where I had a free consultation with a mom. She brought her child because who was two, two or three mm-hmm. and uh, to it. But, you know, she didn't want the child really involved in the meeting. And what I could tell, I actually kind of learned from her what not to do, because what I could tell was that she had not prepared that child whatsoever for what that child was about to experience, which is you're going to sit in this chair here. Mommy's going to be around the corner in a room over here with another lady you've never met, me, you know, the attorney, and you're going to sit here and you're going to color your book. She didn't, the child had no understanding that that was expected. So of course that meeting didn't actually happen because that child was not okay. She couldn't be separated from her mom because she had no idea. And I remember looking at that thinking like, wow, like, they really need to know what's expected of them. I mean, even my three-year-old right now is sitting quietly in the other room, you know? Um, so that to me, like I, I, out of any tip or any lesson I've ever learned, it's just simply helping the children know what's expected of them is, is huge. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful piece of advice. I'm now thinking about various scenarios with, <laughs> uh, with my kids. It's funny now my oldest two are uh, a 16 going on 17. And so, Actually, they probably do that trick on me where uh, when I go somewhere <laughs> to pick them up, I, I can think back to conversations where they've narrated to me what that's going to look like and how I'm not going to embarrass them in front of their friends. And, and oh, right, right. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I guess, yeah, they can pick up on it and try to, yeah. yeah. This has been fantastic. Would you just remind the audience, how can they find your new business? Who's it for? Who would you like to uh, have to reach out to you? Yes, yes. Awesome. Thank you. So what I currently do is I've set up the technology for estate planning attorneys, and I do that through the strategic partnership with new law business model that I mentioned. And then now I'm also in the early stages of developing software, proprietary software that would replace the full tech stack I currently set up for lawyers. So where you can find out the most about me and what I'm up to at any time is my website, bonniebowles.com, B-O-W-L-E-S bonniebowls.com, which is currently being revamped. So if you look at it now, kind of soon, you know, to when we're recording, it'll look one way. And then in about three months, it's going to be a whole brand new um, look that I'm very excited about. But what you'll learn about on there is what I currently do, how to get in touch with me and how to stay in touch regarding the proprietary software I'm working on that will go to market for attorneys and 
probably about a year, so probably mid-2021. A much-needed solution. Every attorney I talk to hates the number of systems and solutions oh. that, they, uh, that they have to use just to get by. Yes, yes. It's 12 to 15, probably, if you're really utilizing it. Most people just can't manage that. It's too much. Yeah, wow. This has been great, Bonnie. Thank you very much. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. As always, you can learn more about us at meetfireside.com. Click on the smalls tab to find these episodes in video form or download from wherever you like to get your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.